Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Hello and welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. Dan Claps here with my co-host Christian Dadalek. Christian, how are you? Doing awesome today, man. I was having some internet connectivity issues earlier, so that was a little frustrating, but we got it all worked out and we have an awesome guest on today, so I'm happy about that. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I'm excited as well since we finally, after t- almost 30 episodes, have figured out our sound system and how to do these things right. Well, wanted to introduce our guest, Kenny Rose. Hey, Kenny, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan, Christian. Good to be on here and see you guys again. Absolutely. Very excited to be on this call with you, Kenny. Kenny is the founder and CEO of Franchares. And we're going to let him explain the company because it's so different than so many different businesses in our space. But Kenny, would you like to take it away? Yeah, sure. So Franchares is an investment company that lets anyone invest into franchise ownership. Just like you could buy shares in stocks of Apple, you could buy shares in a franchise down the street that produces income for you. Um, It's something I realized that most people don't have the capital or the skill set or the time to run a franchise yet. They want to own the asset itself. And so we uh, basically do like a mini IPO that lets anyone be able to invest into the actual franchise portfolio itself. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, what I find so interesting about Franchise is that it truly is unique. But what I'm curious to learn a little bit more about as well is obviously I'm on the newsletter and all that. So I get all the information about what is it, the first round that's coming out? Yeah, yeah. We're on our first portfolio right now. It's a 25 million portfolio. So what can you tell us about that? What kind of franchises are they investing in? And why did you opt to go with those types of franchises as well? Yeah, definitely. So this fund, it's called the TNT Franchise Portfolio. And funny thing was, I had come up with a name for it a while ago as like a place saver that the lawyers needed. And I forgot, I didn't even tell my employees after I told a couple months after they came on, they're like, what's TNT stand for? Anyway, I'm like, oh, I never told you. It's a takeout and trash. So I wanted to be really diversified in the different industries. So we've got like quick service restaurants as well as the waste management space. So the two different brands we have are Teriyaki Madness, which I'm sure you guys are very familiar with. Michael Haight's been in the industry for a very long time. But you know, for people listening that might not know, they are a quick service Asian concept. You you think about who does almost like fast food in the Asian food space. You know, they say Panda Express and they start drawing a blank. And that was one of the immediate, like huge voids I saw. And then when you see like Michael's experience with Maui Waui and Doc Popcorn, like He's just been an absolutely amazing operator. And then for the other side of it, we wanted to show people like, hey, what are you not used to when you think about franchise? Because they pretty much always think about food. And so I brought in one of my favorite concepts. It's called Smash My Trash. And Smash My Trash really works like, you think about anywhere that has a commercial dumpster, whether it's construction, distribution, manufacturing, they've all got these giant commercial dumpsters out back and it costs a lot of money to get them hauled off every time. So Smash My Trash does exactly what the name says. They drive up, smash everything down in the dumpster so that you can just keep filling it back up again. And so it's a real need-based B2B repeat service one. And the reason I picked these two, well, there were a couple factors in. For one, I know that like people really want to get into something that's got high growth potential, but very proven. And so I wanted to say, okay, what's between that 100 and 1,000 location marks? So they can show like they're really proven out, but also that there's still really green territory available. 
And so, you know, Teriyaki Madness has got 350 plus locations opener in development. And then Smash My Trash is, I think, well past the 600 mark. And so they both had that, yet we could still get into these major markets. They also have amazing ROI when you're digging into the numbers behind them. And then also manageability was a big part of it too. Teriyaki Madness has this great affiliate called Restaurant Sherpas that really they'll manage the day-to-day for you. They'll help with site selection, build out, hiring, ongoing management. And then the other side with Smash My Trash, you know, most of these owners, they work a full-time job and they manage this on the side. And so you know, it's really two to four employees an average location needs. And so when you're thinking about like, what can I build infrastructure in, like putting a good GM in, building out the back office, you know, if you don't have to do a ton of employees on top of it, it makes it a lot more manageable. And so those were the main reasons that we picked these, but there's honestly a lot more method of the madness I can't all throw out on podcasts. <laughs> so you got into franchising. We'd love to hear the story of how you got into franchising because like most of us, it's usually not on purpose. Maybe it is in your case. I don't know when you had this idea. Would you want to walk us through franchising yeah, yeah, sure. and then how franchise is born? Yeah, well, originally I was in finance out of school. I worked at Merrill Lynch as a financial advisor up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I was already working with like high net worth individuals, grow their wealth. But at the same time, especially being based in San Francisco, I saw robo advisors were coming up. I mean, this is way before Robinhood, obviously, but still, like you saw the industry was taking a turn. And also the people who were new there were really hating everything. And the people who were old there, they just kind of collected the books as people who were you know, leaving the door. And so I was like, okay, this doesn't seem like a good long-term viable option. So I wanted to see what else was out there. And so it was actually a family friend, CEO of a franchise that coaches CEOs. Or as I knew him back then, he ran a company where he coached CEOs. And I thought that was a great business. And he was said, oh, I think I can help you with like the next step in the career. And then he threw me an absolute curveball when he's like, what do you know about franchising? I'm like, what do you know about franchising? I'm thinking McDonald's, Subway, those things. And he's like, did you know my company's a franchise? Like there's franchises for coaching CEOs. He's like, there's franchises for everything. And to me, that's like, wow, that's a very big industry for like a fairly well-educated person to not know that much about. So I was like, well, let's see how deep this goes. And so he introduced me to the franchise brokerage world, which I'm sure everyone on here knows is kind of like being a realtor or an investment advisor for finding the right franchise. So he introduced me to FranNet. And so I worked for FranNet for four or five years and you know, started off doing business development, eventually took over about half of LA County for him. And I was about the time I left when I had the idea for FranShares. Are you guys familiar with Fundrise at all? I am very familiar. Yeah. Basically, Fundrise allows anyone to invest into commercial real estate for now, I think it's as little as a hundred bucks, it might even be less than that. But they took advantage of this new legislature that happened about seven years ago uh, as part of the Jobs Act or Jumpstart Our Businesses Act. So what they did was they basically said like, you know, Kickstarter was really taking off and people were crowdfunding money to launch new products, but it wasn't legal to give them a piece of equity because then that is a security and it would be a breach of SEC guidelines. And so what the Jobs Act did was created new ways where people could crowdfund money and own equity into something. And so originally it was meant to, hey, let's fund businesses by crowdfunding money together. And then Fundrise is the first ones that ran with it and said, well, why don't we crowdfund into an investment? It doesn't have to be a business, but it can be like real estate. And now there's like 30 different companies that do that. You've got Masterworks does this for fractional investing into artwork. You've got here does fractional investing for Airbnb rentals. Vince does it for wine and whiskey collections. So you can fractionally invest into like anything now. 
But back then, Fundrise had done their Series A fundraise. They just raised a ton of money. I heard about it. I started looking at it. I'm like, wow, I'm going to do that for franchises. And you know, at the time, I was also like, I'm not exactly a fundable founder right now. You know, I had good franchise experience, but I was like, I shouldn't do this until I'm like the guy to do it. So that's when I left and started my own brokerage and partnered up with IFPG and you know, really started to build my own like both business and brand as a franchise professional. And so you know, I started really guerrilla marketing. Like when I started the business, I didn't have a ton to my name. So I was like, cool, what's free ways to get people or to, you know, to educate people? And so for one, there was LinkedIn. I was always posting a lot on there. I started writing on Quora and posting answers on there. One of my answers was how much a Chick-fil-A costs. I ended up getting sending out to like 40 or 50 million people. And then, you know, I also had a big emphasis on like PR. So I'd reach out to journalists and all these things. So I got featured in Forbes, ABC, Business Insider, and eventually reached over 300 million people without any ad spend. So, you know, I was having fun with my brokerage and then the pandemic hit. And obviously, I kind of put the franchise idea on the back shelf for a bit because I was building this other company. Pandemic hits, and I read an article that people are gambling on the stock market because sports aren't on. And I'm like, oh gosh, now's the time. Like everyone's looking for a new type of investment. So I literally just like, okay, shut that business down, go start franchise. And then went out, got some venture funding, and then built a team and got it launched. So it's been a journey to say the least. Some of the things you just said, you make it sound easy. <laughs> built this incredible following through your method of getting into the publications. But talk about like, you mentioned that when you launched, you were able to get such an organic... Was that through the platforms that you were able to build that audience? How did you get such a large initial investment from candidates? Well, I guess there's like both the company side and then the portfolio side. Were you asking about both or just like one or the other? Basically thinking about how like you went out, formed this concept, great concept. But I always say that when we're talking to potential candidates, someone looking to buy a business or start any business, the question's always... How are you going to get customers? How are you going to get people to actually pay money? You came up with this phenomenal concept, fractional investing, but then you actually got the funding. Yeah. So you guys probably can't see it from here, but it's probably that 37,000 on the wait list there is probably what you're referring to. <laughs> so we did it a bunch of different ways. The first 3,000 were purely organic, no paid anything. So yeah, it was like part of like my existing areas. I was talking to people. Facebook groups were actually an amazing thing. You know, there's very active groups and people are like sharing ideas and they hear a good idea, they like it. So like literally between like three different groups, I think I got like thousand or fifteen hundred signups from there. And then you know, you really focus on like referrals. So you know, ask people for a referral, incentivizing that they can move up the wait list by referring other people. And then after we got funded as a company with our venture backing, I hired on this amazing head of growth. He grew a company called Gridwise, which was they basically are like, how do you maximize your Uber or Lyft or Uber Eats business? And so he grew them from 1,000 users to about 400,000 users in two or three years. So the guy's absolute growth machine. So we sat down and really thought about like, where do people hear about these different types of investments? And whether it's entrepreneurship or alternative investing, paid social marketing was a big part of it, as well as newsletters, you know, making partners with people who are writing them. We did some partnerships with them started working with influencers across different social media platforms. PR was also a great one. I got a lot of great features about the company, like when we got funded, when we launched, all these things. So, you know, honestly, it's just somewhere people have really understood it and really taken to it. Yeah, no doubt about that, man. I find the world of fractional investing so fascinating because it really is 
somewhat of a newer concept. It hasn't been here for quite that long. And when you mentioned Fundrise, I'm familiar with that. There's others out there that do very similar things for commercial real estate. And you're right. One has done that within franchising. And most people, like you said, don't know anything about franchising. Again, they think food, maybe they think fitness, but they don't realize that there's this wealth, this whole industry that exists beyond that. So I think what you're doing is absolutely incredible. Something that I'm curious about is, obviously, as a young guy, as a young founder, and the concept itself is just amazing, of course, but can you walk us through what it was like to get that venture capital funding? I mean, what did that process look like? Yeah, it was a process for sure. Another one that sounds easier than it is. If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button and make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, I mean, even before that, people don't realize what goes into like before you even start asking for money because, you know, you have to like put investor docs together, get incorporated and not just like, you know, how you slap together your own LLC. It's like you got to be really formed correctly. And so one of my advisors, Cody Barbo, he runs a company called Trust and Will, which is like TurboTax for Trust and Wills. You know, they've raised like 30 million bucks. Like he's amazing founder and he's a good friend from school. So I reached out to him and said, hey, you know, like it's time to get going on this idea. So he actually introduced me to the big law firm, DLA Piper. And I actually had to pitch them on, hey, I've got this idea. We're going to get funded, but I don't have the money to go put all the legal stuff together. And so they actually did it all for free and said, we believe you'll get funded. Pay us back when you do. So that was already like a huge win right there. And then I'm running full steam ahead, super excited. I put together a massive list of like, just a bunch of VCs all over the country. And it was like 350 or 400 of them and crickets. I heard next to nothing back. I might've gotten three responses and maybe two phone calls. And it was like, ah, nice, interesting, good luck. And I was like, you know what? All right, fine. They don't get it yet, but I'll go prove it. I'm like, let me go sell it to angel investors first. Like if I can show that there's buy-in from them, that there's buy-in for this asset class as a whole. And so, you know, I have a big thing. I don't sell to friends or family, you know, they have to be held accountable. And so it was, okay, let me go start fresh and go reach out and find people who are angel investors and go after it. And funny enough, one of these Facebook groups that I had posted about the idea on ended up being my first angel investor. And then all of a sudden, another person hears, people are word of mouth talking about it. And also, again, I'd been planning this for a while. So I think it was something like, by now, like four years ago, I had started reaching out to people who had angel investor in their profile. And you know, I wasn't like seeking an investment. It was just like very targeted to it. It's like, hey, I saw you're in LA and you're an angel investor. You know, I'm in the franchise space. If you ever have any questions, I want to be a resource for you. And then just stay in touch over the years. So then like ended up being our largest angel investor came from one of those follow-ups years later. So then you know, I raised, I think it was 570,000 in three weeks. And it was, okay, now it's time to go get a venture capital company. Because like, you know, you really need that credibility. And it's amazing when you reach back out to everyone, you've got over half a million in the bank, everyone returns your calls. They're all your best friends. And it was funny because I heard a lot of the same things over and over. It was, this is an amazing idea. You're clearly the guy to do it. I don't know anything about franchising. Now I was like, that's fair. And a lot of VCs, they like investing in what other VCs have invested in or something they understand. And just a lot of them, like, again, it's the F word of business ownership. A lot of them, like, couldn't really get past it or, like, understand enough to make a big commitment. But still, everyone was like, I still see a lot of potential for this. I want to refer you to this investor. And they always want to refer to someone else because it's good for the next round to be like, hey, I referred you to those guys. And eventually, I got referred to Chicago Ventures, which 
nice enough, they're based in Chicago where I am and their offices are literally down the street from me. So, you know, I was going to talk with their analysts a whole bunch back and forth. And then I was finally talking to Stuart Larkins, who's founding partner of the fund. And like right before he hops on, lead analyst I was talking to says, oh, I just found out Stuart's actually invested in franchising before. Like, are you kidding me? You've never mentioned this before? <laughs> and so he hops on and I just kind of bulldoze my way through. And I'm like, Stuart, I just heard you invested in franchise before. Tell me all about it. And it turned out he was part of a group that rolled up 500 KFCs to be their largest franchisee and then sold it to private equity. I'm like, oh, so you get this. He's like, yeah, I get it. And right then I was like, we're good here. And that ended up being history from there. And they've just been amazing partners for us. It's fantastic, man. And then now all of a sudden you have 37,000 people on your wait list I see back there on the ticker. Yeah. So that's incredible, man. Thank you. So can you touch on a little bit about who is Franchise for? Who is it not? Do people need to be accredited investors? Is there a non-accredited investor option? Can you walk us through that a bit? Yeah. So the current offering we have open is for accredited investors only, but the next one and all the subsequent ones will be open to everyone. You know, we really want this to be an asset class that's available to everyone, whether you are even a family office or institutional capital, all the way down to average Joe on the street wants to invest 500 bucks and try something new with it. You know, and I see it's the combination of the two that really makes this the most successful over time. You've got larger checks that fill out the size and scale of the fund and, you know, really scale and franchising is where you make the most money. But then also we're doing something very different that hasn't been done in franchising before. Like when you think about what the typical franchisee is, like besides local operations and capital, they're the local evangelist. You know, they're telling people, come check out my location, use my business or service. And so with crowdfunding, what we're able to do is change this from instead of one owner to hundreds or thousands of local owners. And so that's why we also prioritize people who live in the areas where the investments are, because then you've got all these people who are then not only like built-in customer base, like if I own part of a Jimmy John's, I'm going to Jimmy John's all the time. But then also they're going to tell everyone else they know to go to Jimmy John's. And it's like, why Jimmy John? Oh, I'm a co-owner. And now you've got the marketing for their investment as well as for Franchise itself. And so it really just snowballs the investments and the company too. True network effect. Yeah. Completely. It's kind of like Reddit versus Wall Street, but to our advantage in local scale. <laughs> so the investor invests and you set a portion of money into the fund. And then I'm sorry for not maybe understand this. They're choosing to invest into franchise, and then that money is then allocated to whichever franchise you choose, or are they able to pick a brand that they like? So eventually when we have more of them, they'll be able to pick specific brands. But to start off, it's a predefined portfolio. So you'll see like, oh, it's these different brands and industries. Here's where the locations are going to be. Like, it's not a blind pool. I don't think anyone would be <laughs> that trusting with it. So, But, you know, being able to see like, all right, here's what the portfolio looks like, map of the country where the different territories are. Yeah understand the unit economics of the franchises. Yeah, so to start off, it's a diversified portfolio approach. Eventually, you'll pick specific brands. And then even more specifically, eventually, I want it to be like, oh, I'm just going to invest in that one down the street that I own. You scan a QR code and invest some money in that location you've been going to for years. And just to be clear, so like think of like a private equity fund. You invest into the fund, and then they deploy that capital. In this case, they're similar. They're investing into an aggregate fund, and then it's deployed. Yeah, so... They invest that money. And then my other question, sorry, is so unique. Where does the operator come into play? You approach a brand, you say, hey, we've got this investment pooled from our team of investors. How does the business get operated? 
Yeah, so there's three different ways, and it really depends on you know, the type of portfolio that we're doing. So like, for example, the current one that we do, we establish our own operations. So we look for more like semi-absentee models that are easier to build infrastructure for or outsource to other types of operators like restaurant Sherpas. Another way that we'll do it is funding existing operators. So maybe they already have anywhere from 10 to a couple hundred locations. They want to go acquire more. Then you can be the funding partner for their roll-up strategy and to acquire other locations. Eventually, we'll have, I guess there's four total, because there's also working directly with the franchisors where they've got these great operators, but they don't have the money. Or maybe they had enough money for three, but really like they're killing it with three. They should have 10. You know, we can be that funding partner that helps connect them with capital. And it's not like crazy high interest rates, but instead having equity partners involved. And also ones that compared to just like getting a loan, you know, we've got money that's from people in the community. They're going to support your business. And then finally, eventually we'll have like the individual, I want to be a franchisee. I'll put myself out there on the platform and then we connect you with investors. That's fantastic. So there's a lot of different ways to secure funding. So it sounds like you can work directly with existing franchisees. And then sometimes you'll partner with the franchises directly, assuming that it's more of a semi-absentee model, that you can build that infrastructure out. And then down the road, it sounds like the vision is we like to be able to help some of those would-be entrepreneurs secure funding yeah. so that they can open up their locations. Yeah. And like you said, be their funding partner, and then they'll be the operating partner. Exactly. It's the marketplace for you know being a franchisee. <laughs> Really, man, I love that being an entrepreneur. You know, a lot of people like have these ideas of like, oh, I want to create a startup, this, that, and the other, but they don't have that unique idea. You know, especially for people who've been investing in franchising with us over the years, they'll be like, hey, well, do you want to leave your job? And like, we've literally got thousands of types of franchises we can connect you to and then fund with the crowd. And then there's some where like, okay, now I get it more. And you know, it's like, oh, I can connect with something like, oh, they've never heard that waste management was a franchise before. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm getting it a little more. So keep doing that over the years, then they've got that chance to make the leap out of corporate and have all these resources available for them. I love it, man. A couple of last quick questions then. So what type of investor is this for? Because obviously with any investment, different investors have different goals, different objectives. And so naturally that comes with different types of things that they're looking to invest in. And obviously we're not going to endorse anything, of course, but we want to make sure that there's an opportunity for them to hear about this, talk to your tax advisor, financial planner, all that sort of thing. But there you go. having made that disclaimer, who would you say is the ideal investor for France shares? So I kind of connect this back to the Merrill Lynch days where it's, you know, people in the past who are accredited investors, the ultra high net worth, they had access to specific products that other people didn't. So we would tell people like, hey, you should have like 20 to 30% of your portfolio in alternative investments. But now with all the recent legislation changes, everyone can do that. And so really everyone should start doing this 20 or 30% into alternative investments. And so, you know, when you think about that, you can spread it across different ways from real estate, artwork, franchising. So honestly, I think it's good for any type of investor who's looking for a long-term investment. And, you know, especially when they see that like business ownership is something that can really contribute, especially if they want like passive income. The big things I know people have been loving out of this is they like diversification. They like passive income. They like hedging against inflation, especially. And so that's why it's not good for your day day trader type nor anyone who's like looking to flip a quick buck or you know, they're looking for the next crypto coin going to the moon. It's not that type of like sky high crazy thing. Like it's a great investment, but like it's not lottery tickets here. We take method. <laughs> I use Titan, Titan Invest, which is oh, yeah. a robo advisor. And I look at it as like, they say there's crazy returns. I have some money in there and 
it's a better return than a lot of other investments, but I'm not looking at it as my way to retire unless you put more money in. Maybe some of your clients are doing that and putting more and more money. But if you want an insane return, go buy a lottery ticket or invest in a business fully. Yeah, especially a lot of people have been saying, why don't I just go into crypto? I'm like, that's your choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, that must be great for you now. Oh, yeah. Honestly, it is a great time to be launching this. Like, mine is people are just scared of everything. But like, if you are looking to do anything, it's like, great, the markets are screwed, crypto's blown up. Like, what actually just makes sense? And it's like, okay, those are quick service Asian places. That's waste management. I get that. You know, I think people want something more tangible that just makes sense. I agree 100%. So it sounds like you're locking up liquidity a little bit, of course. And it sounds like it's a really big cash flow play. I'm sure there's capital appreciation there. I mean, is there any intention at any point to, to sell any of these franchise locations, get a nice exit? Yeah. So each portfolio will obviously have like very different circumstances to them. Like some of them will be like a continuous income one. Okay, hey, we're going to buy it and just keep it indefinitely. The one like we currently have is more of a growth and equity one. So we want a combination of you're getting cash flow from it and eventually sell it off to like a private equity group, for example. If you've got 20 plus locations, they tend to snap that up immediately and they can also pay more than like your typical buyer. So yeah, we want people to have a combination of the both, but each fund's going to be very different. You know, we realize we kind of can create all sorts of different financial instruments out of this. So we want to be able to offer all those different ones. It's amazing. So the investor can tailor well, you're tailoring the investments based off to different types of investors and their needs. So the investor almost can a la carte say, okay, this really meets my objectives. Maybe this fund doesn't or, or this portfolio doesn't. And so they can almost choose from that menu of different items. So I think exactly. that's awesome. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We want to have a lot of different options for them. Same thing like different risk levels. Like, are they a newer franchisor? Are they more well-established? You know, if they're well-established, it's obviously going to be less returns, but less risk. So there's a lot of ways to just have like a whole balanced portfolio from the franchise market. I love it, man. The last thing I wanted to ask was what kind of minimums, at least at this point, I'm sure down the road, it'll be more democratized and open to more types of investors. But at this point, it's already democratized. Like, honestly, I've been saying since put out the first landing page that it was going to be a $500 minimum. And even for this one with the credit investors, it's a $500 minimum. Wow. Someone actually took us up on that, which I was surprised. But you know, now the range is like of investments or borders right now is like 500 bucks up to a million. So it's all sorts of people across the spectrum. Excellent. Well, how can people get in touch with you? Well, I'd say there's two main ways. One, LinkedIn. I love being on there and definitely have a great following on there. I love chatting with people on there. So LinkedIn, or if you also check out franchairs.com, you can always join our waitlist, whether it's like your credit and you want to check out the current offering or you want to be ready for the future one. There's 37,000, but we'll intend to get every one of them on board. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, thanks so much, Kenny, for coming on. What you're doing with Franchairs is obviously incredibly unique very special within the industry and really helping to elevate the industry as a whole. So thanks for what you do. Congrats on the success so far and really excited to see what comes from it moving forward. But having said that, thanks everyone for hopping on to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, like, subscribe, share, leave us an honest review, tell your friends about it. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com. 